had it not been for one night, neither John Marino nor Mike Matheson would have gotten traded. And I actually believe that. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into baseball and or football. I also offer Daily Shots of Pirates and Steelers where you found this, and I hope you'll check those out as well. Marino, of course, is now employed by the Devils. Matheson is now employed by the Habs. And if it hadn't been for Game 7, obviously that was the game I was going to reference in New York, I think they'd both be here. I might be wrong, but I don't think so. And here's why. If you look back at that night and you really study it, and I'm positive that absolutely no one listening to this will do that, I think you'll see that if either of those two players, not even necessarily both, if either of those players had performed just a little bit better, the Penguins would have continued playing. And if the Penguins would have continued playing, they wouldn't have had this whole four straight first-round losses thing hanging over their heads still. They might, since they'd had Tristan Jari come back, have advanced through another round and made it to the Eastern Conference Final. I'm not saying that I know they would have beaten the Hurricanes, but I would have liked their chances since the Hurricanes had no goaltending at all left. But in addition to having covered that game at Madison Square Garden, I did go back and look over it, both from the video standpoint and from the analytical standpoints. And those two guys were the numbers one and two reasons the Penguins lost that particular game. Matheson just couldn't keep from allowing other teams to score goals off his feet. And you can say all you want that that's just unlucky, nothing you can do about that. And you're right if it doesn't happen all the time, which it did in that series. By my count, there were four, count them, four New York goals that went off of either his skates or his shin pads. And that's because he wasn't able to move guys away from the front of the net. Because you know what happens when you move guys from the front of the net? You move from the front of the net, too, because why would you hang out there? And Marino, his play over the course of that series was just a gradual slope. He was outstanding in game one. Do you remember that, the triple overtime? That might have been some of the best hockey of that young man's career, and he kept it going through all six periods. But game seven, by the time that comes along, I could point pretty routinely to at least two New York goals on which he was the main culprit. And when that's added to the lack of offense that he showed, not just in the playoffs, but really all through the regular season, that's not great. And that crystallized. Again, I believe this. The decision made by Ron Hextall and or Brian Burke to move not one, but both of those players. 
This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. We really don't have to wonder about this in Marino's case, by the way. Uh, In speaking with reporters who cover the Devils, he openly acknowledged that he'd heard and had expected that he'd get moved. Now, that doesn't mean it was done in some mean, punitive, we'll show you and send you to Newark kind of way. But it does mean that John, who's a pretty bright kid, was able to look at the Penguins cap situation be fully aware that they were going to have to move money off the back line and see that he wasn't exactly atop the coach's good list as the season came to a conclusion. Matheson, in contract, professed to being a lot more surprised when he spoke with Montreal reporters, and that too is understandable because Matheson played the best hockey of his NHL career this past season. I thought Todd Reardon put a lot of good things into his game in really simplifying what he did in his own end, making sure that he didn't constantly run around, which was the thing that got him in a lot of trouble in his years in Sunrise and then in his first year with the Penguins. Reardon just basically told him, look, when the puck's in your own end, find a place to anchor yourself and move only in this situation. Take a risk only in this situation. And that works to an extent, but again, none of that, and this goes for both Marino and Matheson, was going to turn either of them into someone who could clear the front of the net. It's funny, it almost feels strange in the year 2022 to be talking about clearing the front of the net as if it's a real thing, but it might be the one area of the rink where officials will still allow it, and that goes double in the playoffs. If you aren't being mean to the guy that's right in front of you, if you aren't doing your level best to get that player away from the crease, away from your goaltender, then you had better at least be proficient in fronting the guy. And yes, that's now a thing. In fact, for most coaches, it's the thing. They prefer, in some cases, with some players to have their defensemen front the guy instead of being behind him and trying to move him because they'll say, all right, listen, he's just so good at uh, blocking shots or getting his stick in the way that it really doesn't matter if he allows somebody to be behind him. And that's why it'll drive you nuts sometimes, but you'll see the Penguins will just leave a guy alone in front. Well, Matheson and Marino weren't particularly good at either of those things, so they weren't good net front defensemen. And the Penguins correctly, I believe, identified that this was something that needed to change going into next year. Now, ideally, they would have moved these guys for just a whole bunch of cap space and gotten themselves some forwards, which they need a lot more. They didn't do that, though. They instead went and got Jeff Petrie, Ty Smith, and still more defensemen. And now they still have to move other defensemen to try to shore up what's up front. But this move, I believe, no, 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 both of these moves, I believe 
were rooted in something that they saw, or at least saw as the final straw in this past playoff round. When we come back, J1Q. comes from Jeff who asks BK on Tuesday's Daily Shot you mentioned that the Penguins overall age might make it challenging to go 82 games plus four rounds of playoffs do you think Mike Sullivan and Ron Hextall would consider the NBA's load management strategy to help address that anybody who doesn't know what Jeff's referencing here might be surprised to know that I do Uh, I had to learn up on how the NBA in recent years, beginning with the Golden State Warriors, who I think have won a bunch of championships, and I'm not being facetious, I don't follow the NBA, but I had to, in this case, find out what was up there because the Pirates started taking that approach about five, six years ago under the previous general manager, Neil Huntington, and it most definitely has continued under the current GM, Ben Charrington. Plain and simple, analysts go through a player's schedule, their biorhythm, their sleep, the travel, the hours lost, the doubleheaders, the X number of days in a row without a day off, and they compute in advance while also adjusting it over the course of a six-month, 162-game season that this guy is going to be off that day, that guy is going to be off another day. So it drives some baseball fans, a lot of them nuts, actually, when they show up at PNC Park and don't see Brian Reynolds or Brian Hayes or the handful of guys that the Pirates have who are genuinely worth watching. And it's not easily understood because it wasn't all that long ago that Jason Bay, for example, Rookie of the Year and All-Star in Pittsburgh, Played all 162. And at the time that he did, and I was covering the team back then, Lloyd McClendon, the manager at the time, said, why why wouldn't I play him? He's young. I'm just going to play him every day. Well, it was the Warriors in the NBA who, I don't want to say that they pioneered the concept of resting guys. That seems a little bit excessive. But they came up with a formula that took even some of their Big stars, and I'm sorry I can't name any of them, but they took some of those guys and told them you're just not going to play in X number of games or we're going to minimize the amount that you do this in a game. And they would try to make sure that they did that sort of thing on the road, but then that would disappoint fans on the road who would want to show up and see a good team. Try to picture, for example, Sidney Crosby when he makes his annual Western Canada trips, and it's seen as a really big deal. So... I say all that only to come back with this. No, never, no chance. The hockey culture still has so many miles to go before it can cross any bridge like that. That's the machismo of this sport that hasn't even begun to fade. Do you remember just a couple of years ago when the Penguins were getting close to the playoffs and they hadn't had a 
successful run in a while, and Sid still insisted on staying in the lineup and playing all 82, and he didn't have to insist very hard because everyone in the hockey culture understood that that was going to be something of a badge of honor for him, and he's an important guy and an influential guy, and he's going to get his wish, and he did. That's not why they lost in the playoffs, but, you know, Sid wasn't very effective that year at all. Goal and six assists in that round. And I'll bet someone who's loaded with a lot more medical knowledge and data than I am could make a very compelling case that Sid would have been a much more productive player in those playoffs had he, you know, been rested. Had there been some kind of priority, not just over the last couple of games, but again, over the course of the full schedule. There's going to be, there's going to be an NHL team that does this. But I don't know which one. I only know that out of the 32 that the league has, no one's dared to try it yet. Really, really good question. I appreciate it. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do one last one this week tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.